life. The Bible describes it as abundant, powerful, and filled with meaning, but honestly, some would say, that's not the life they know. God feels far away, silent. Their life is mundane and unfulfilling, but what if God were close? What if life felt alive and full of power? This is a six-part series about the Spirit of God living in us. We are nearing the end of a series that we've been in for a few weeks now, talking about God within. And what we're talking about, of course, is the Holy Spirit. And when He lives inside of us, life changes completely. And so throughout the series, I've always begun by telling you a little piece of of, uh, kind of where I discovered this and how it completely changed my life. Uh, discovering that God does live within and wants to, to do things inside of us. And uh, one of the things that was unique for me, maybe not so unique as I think about it. Maybe you've had this experience as I grew up here in the Bible Belt and I grew up going to church and I thought that everybody believed in God or at least liked God. Um, I knew some people didn't go to church quite as often and since my parents would dress me up with a noose around my neck and a coat, I could understand why some of them didn't want to do that, but I figured they still liked God. Y'all didn't get that joke? That was, come on. I got to flow with me here. It's Okay. But when I went off to college, I discovered a completely different group of people. For one, there was a a dude that wore a dress. I thought that was interesting. I was a music major, and I was in the arts world, and, you know, strange stuff happened among art students out there anyway. Uh, But I, I would talk to people about Jesus, and it blew my mind that more people than not did not like God. Many of them did not believe in God. And so I would try to talk to them about Jesus, and and, uh, as the words would come out of my mouth, even I found myself thinking, how does anybody believe this? I mean, you begin to tell them, you know, well, there was a virgin who had a kid, and the kid, well, he was actually God. And people didn't like him, so they killed him, but he didn't stay dead, and he came back to life. I mean, really, have you ever tried to just tell that as a story and wonder why people look at you like you're crazy? So then I tried this, well, if they would just read the Bible, because I love the Bible, I loved reading the Bible, I'm just one of those kinds of nerds. So I ran into an atheist, said, if you would just read the Bible, I'm convinced that God would do something. He said, I've read the Bible from beginning to end four times. I'd only done it once, so I figured I should stop arguing with this guy. I mean, he, he might know something I didn't remember, you know, that one point that I read through it. So I, I discovered at that point, I had a very small faith that God could actually change people. That he could actually make people believe this thing. I remember, now look, just, just flow with me. I'm not done yet, but just, I remember thinking at that point in my life, I am glad I grew up in the Bible Belt because I don't know how any of these other people are ever going to believe. If I didn't grow up believing, I'm not sure that I could believe. I mean, it's kind of a ridiculous story. After all, we spend all of our time talking about a powerful God who just doesn't really do anything powerful anymore, Right? I mean, when was the last time you saw someone get out of a wheelchair and walk because you prayed for them? Does anybody else, don't raise your hand, does anybody else have doubts? You go through these days, you're worshiping, you're having fun, but then some bad things hit and you really begin to wonder, God, where are you? Are you actually there? Because we can't remember the last time that we saw him do something amazing. Here's a question for you. Do you wish, do you ever wish there were more things in your life that were simply unexplainable? In a good way, of course. Do you ever wish there were more things in your life that completely removed all of those doubts because of the power that you see on a regular basis? You can raise your hands for that one. 
You see, we know God doesn't answer every prayer exactly how we want it, and he doesn't always answer every prayer exactly when we want it, so we kind of end up with some doubts on occasion. And, and it's okay, by the way. We're in church where we can all stop pretending we're perfect and actually admit, yeah, every now and then I wonder myself, and, and I, I have some struggles. What if you could remember, though, when you saw a crippled person walk because someone prayed for them? Amen. I can. And it all came after what I experienced in college. What if you could see a deaf person here for the first time and remember that on those days when you are about to have a doubt? I can remember that. I've experienced that. I've seen that happen. I traveled on a crusade team throughout Eastern Europe right after college and would watch every night as we would go out and do these crusades in, in these fields. And that was back when the world still loved America. And so all you had to do was say, Americans are performing tonight. We didn't tell them what we were doing. I don't know if they thought we were like comedy acts or juggling or, or what, but said Americans are performing in the field tonight and, and tens of thousands would come out and we would tell them about the power of Jesus and then we'd pray for healing. And I've watched crippled people who could barely get to the event run across a football field swinging a cane Amen. that they walked in on running. I've watched a little girl who had never heard a word in her life. She was six years old, heard her first words from an American translator speaking English. Well, that had to be confusing to her when you think about that. How about if you had a miracle child that God had shown up and done power on? I've got one of those. I've got an eight-year-old son that the doctors told us that he will either die or be in a vegetative state for a year or two, and then he will die. That is your best hope for him. Listen, he's eight years old, and if you know him, he is in no way vegetative, not in the way he acts, not in the stuff he eats. There is nothing vegetative about this child. Amen. Here's what I know and here's what I believe. It's what I want to talk about today as we come to an end of our series is I believe God is alive and desires to prove it with power. Glad three of you agree with me. Let's try that again. I believe God is alive and desires to prove it with power. And I'll add to this, to you and through you. So look, I've got quite a few things I want to show you in Scripture today, but we're going to do a lot of flipping and you don't have to flip with me. You can go to our main passage and you can stay there. Our main passage is so short. You're going to say, does that qualify as a main passage? Yes, it does, because it's got so much to say. And it's out of Acts chapter 1, if you've got your Bibles. If not, it'll be on the screen. And this is what it says to us, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And that's all we're going to talk about today. That you will be witnesses when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. I'm sorry, you will have power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you in order to be his witnesses. Here's something that's really cool that God showed me as I was looking at this passage. I've talked about it before and I've never put these, these points together. But, you know, we don't really think the Trinity is important. I mean, how many of you even want to try to explain the Trinity to somebody? Anybody want to try that one? Look, I teach theology class. I don't want to try that one. It's confusing. Three hours in class and we still can't completely understand Father, Son, Holy Spirit, yet one God, three persons in one. But here's what happens is we understand, okay, well, you know, the Father, he's obviously important just because he got the title, you know, and he's got the big chair, right? And then Jesus, he's obviously important because that's how we get to heaven. Uh, the Holy Spirit, yeah, not so much. We're not even sure about him sometimes. Different churches say different things, and well, he's the least tangible one. Can't touch him after all, and it's just weird. And so we don't understand sometimes why we need all the Trinity. I want you to follow this, though. Do you, have you ever heard of the Great Commission? 
where Jesus said, all authority has been given to me. Now you go into all the world and make disciples and so forth. Follow this. Where did Jesus get all that authority? The Father. The Father gave all authority, and then Jesus bestows it to his church. The Father gave all authority. Jesus gave the mission, which, by the way, is your life purpose. If you ever wake up on Monday and you say, man, this is just lame. I am tired of a job where I go to work and I sit in a cubicle and I earn some dollars and I spend the dollars on my bill and I'm just frustrated. The best that I can hope for is to pay off a house and maybe get to go on a vacation and someday I'm going to die. If this is all there is, this is frustrating, then you miss the point because that's not what Jesus gave us to do. See, Jesus gave us a life purpose and a mission. And when we lose sight of that, the stuff we do day to day becomes incredibly hollow. You see, that job is really just supposed to give you people to talk to, to bring into the kingdom, to give you money so that you can enjoy life while on planet Earth and eat so that your life on planet Earth is a little bit longer than it would be without your job. That is the whole point to that. But the Father gave us the authority so that you have all legal right and all legal power to invade the kingdom of darkness, to go into Satan's little territory and to rescue people. He gave us the authority. Jesus gave us the mission. And what does the Holy Spirit do? He gives us the power. And since we tend to think that the Trinity is not that important, we tend to operate without the third one very much. Thank you for the authority. Appreciate it. I've got permission to get on a Delta flight, go halfway around the world and tell someone about Jesus. I've got permission. And I've got the mission. But somehow it doesn't always work. It's because we leave out the power piece. And let me make this a little more relevant to you because we tend to read this verse and and the verse, the way it's just written, just takes your brain to the wrong place, right? It takes your brain to the other side of the world 2,000 years ago because he said, go where to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. Who's ever been to Jerusalem? Like three or four of us. Who's been to Judea, Samaria? Who's been to the end of the earth? I mean, well, they didn't know it was a circle, right? All right, but anyway, here's it. Let me translate that. Jerusalem was their immediate community. It was their city, and I know people have preached on that before, but it's, I think it's even smaller than just your city because not every one of us is going to be known citywide. Not every one of us will be the mayor or the sheriff or just as out there doing everything where the mayor and the sheriff do know you and almost everyone in the city knows you. But what about your community? What if everybody on your cul-de-sac knows you for what they see in your life and that you are the one who loves Jesus and you are the one they can go to because when you pray something happens? What if at least in your immediate community, and what if that did spread to another community another community and someday it might even go all the way throughout your whole city? More importantly, what if you understood Judea and Samaria more to be a region? It's your closest region, which might be South Carolina. It might be the county. It it might go to the state. It might even go to the nation. Then he says, to the ends of the earth. So if we back up and we look at this again, but you will receive power from the Holy Spirit because the Father already gave you the authority and the Son already gave you the mission. So you will get power from the Holy Spirit so that you can be witnesses about Jesus to your community and to the region around and even to the ends of the earth. Does that make that a little more important to you now? See, here's what our problem is, though. We don't see much power in our daily lives. I already asked you those questions. We don't need to raise our hands about how many of us see regularly go down to the hospital and watch people walk out of wheelchairs. We don't see that regularly. So here's what happens. In the absence of the power that the Bible talks about, 
We have no choice. We either think, number one, God doesn't like us, God doesn't use us, or let's just theologically rationalize. And we begin to dumb things down to where we no longer expect God to move. We change what we think was meant by the passage, and we simply rationalize away our expectations. We say things like this. We see power when we hear about a miracle story from someone else, somewhere else, far away. And so we turn to that person and say, well, you obviously can't expect God to do things like that all the time, everywhere, can you? After all, he's a supernatural God and we live in a natural world. So it's only rare occasion that God would peek into things and mess things up. Come on. I mean, I hear that stuff. Y'all don't hear that stuff? People come to me and they tell me that. When they come into my office and they're upset and they're frustrated and they're, they're saying things or I meet people on the street or talking about Jesus and, and they don't believe God will actually move. Those are the kinds of things they say. They just don't believe that it's really there anymore. It's a lie, by the way, because God doesn't do that anymore. It is not the truth. We, we actually buy into a lie. God doesn't do it. We don't need a sign. We just need to believe the stories. You know what has happened? The Christian church... 2,000 years after Jesus has become peddlers of history. And we expect people to be content with stories of what was instead of what should be and could be. And people are no longer hungry. We're not even hungry. What did you expect to see happen today? Seriously. What did you expect to see happen when you come in here? You expected us to sing some songs. You expected me to say something that might inspire you. And then you're going to lunch. Did anybody say, honey, we're going to go and we're going to sit in that room until we watch a crippled person walk? Amen. Honey, we're going to go and we're going to sit in that room until that person who says they've only got a few more weeks because of cancer, until we know they're fixed, until we know God has touched their body, until we know on Monday morning the doctor will confirm it. We don't do that, do we? We don't. But this doesn't line up with Scripture. What we see in Scripture is that God does not expect people to just believe in stories of the past. He shows up and he validates himself with power. He validates his message. Here's the truth of what I believe. People either must encounter his presence or his power, both of which are completely undeniable. When you've encountered either one, because both change lives, and both are what this series is about. I tried to explain from the very beginning of the series, the Holy Spirit is the presence of God. If you ever look in my notes, I know you can't always see my notes, but in my notes, presence is always written with a capital P. Anytime I use that word, capital P because the presence, it's not, see, I told you we didn't understand the Trinity. Well, we've actually made a quadrinity. We got the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and just that God here in his presence. What is that? God was in that place today, but it was no, it's the Spirit of God. If God's in that place, it's His Spirit. It's the Trinity. And so anytime I talk about the presence, I use a capital P because it's simply a synonym for the Holy Spirit. He is here. So I don't even know how you really separate the presence from the power because you can't have power without His presence, right? You, you, you can't do that. There is no power if God's not the one there doing it. But I believe people have to encounter that. I used to wonder how in the world would a Muslim ever believe in Jesus if all these people who grew up here in the South don't even believe in Jesus. That was what I was thinking in college, right? You know what? Most Muslims do not believe in Jesus because of your story. And people who work among Muslims will tell you. 
the most common thing that they see happening are miracles. Muslims have dreams of Jesus in their sleep. You tell them about Jesus and they said, okay, I'll tell you what, I'm going to go home. And if he appears to me tonight in a dream, then I will come back to you tomorrow. How many of us would say that? How many of us, when I'm talking to you at the end of the service and encourage you to commit your life to following Jesus, would say, I'll tell you what, if by next week, Jimmy, I pray for someone in the name of Jesus and a miraculous event takes place, I will come back and agree to that. Just somehow as Americans, as these scientific, let me put it through a little experiment, and if I can repeat it and it can happen again, I want everything to be tangible. I'm just going to believe because it seems like the good idea. Actually, most of us, you know why we believe we just are scared of hell. You can laugh or you can cry. I don't care which it is. That is the absolute truth. Because most people have nothing to do with seeking the one true living God on a daily basis. They just want to make sure they've said the right prayer. And if they died in a car crash today, they're good to go. That is the ultimate reason. And so I realize that that, that, that works. But if you've ever listened to me here at Grace Life, you're going to find out that is almost never coming out of my mouth. Because I'm not interested in getting a group of people who only want to make sure they don't go to hell. I'm interested in creating a group of people who are thinking positively about seeking the one true living God and what he's doing in their lives. I, I, I sell it the other way. I'm trying to sell that you are going to have a life that is no longer yours. You're giving up all authority and you're giving up all lordship, but it comes with power. It comes with something that we're supposed to have. So let's get back to this passage here. This said, the whole reason for this is why you will be my witnesses it's not for your personal glory. You don't get to go around going, be healed in Jesus. Oh, look at you. Look at everybody. Look at me. I did that. That's not the whole point. It is not about your glory. As some, if you go back and look in Scripture, actually tried to buy the power. They saw Peter doing that. They saw John doing that. They saw the disciples doing it. They said, can you sell that to me? Can you give that to me? Can you tell me how to get that? People still do that today. It's not for you to prove you're in the club with Jesus. Hey, I just want y'all to know Jesus loves me. Watch this. I'm going to pray. It's not to prove God likes you. The power of God is for one reason alone, and it is to be his witness to this world. So what does it mean to be a witness? Number one, it means doing what he did. And number two, declaring who he was, who he is actually, right? Declaring what he did. I'm sorry, declaring who he is and doing what he did. So what did Jesus do? Well, let's look at this. Here's what Jesus said. This is just going to go, I'm going to go quick through these. You won't have time to flip. You can just write them down. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. Okay, so here, we, we said this earlier in the series. Jesus was God, but he said, what I'm going to do on planet earth, I will not do because I'm God. I'm going to lay aside my deity. And what I'm going to do on planet earth, I'm going to do as the spirit of God inside of me so I can model it for every one of you for the next 2,000 years. You can't say, oh, I can't do that because I'm not God. He laid aside his power as God and chose to operate because the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And he says, because the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, follow this, he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Because the Spirit that lives inside of you lives inside of him, destroying all captivity making blind people see, both in the natural, both in the spiritual, destroying all forms of oppression. And the list could go on with what he does. And then he promised this. I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. 
Not only will you do those, you will do greater works than these. Why? Again, because I'm going to the Father. So instead of being one of 12 people who wander the earth watching me do my show, I'm going to go to the Father. I'm going to put my spirit in every single one of you, and the work will be multiplied because every single one of you will keep doing the things that I've done. How did we miss this? That's not what we live. What we do every week is show up and say, let's talk about the stuff he used to do. Let's sing about the stuff he used to do. We don't do the stuff that he said we would do. It's not a part of our lives. He says that we'll do what he did. What did he do? He destroyed captivity. He made blind people see both naturally and, and supernaturally. He, he caused lame people to walk. He set people free from whatever oppression, depression, despair, whatever it was he set them free. Do we do that? I didn't mean to scare y'all. I just, I, I thought that's exciting when I think about that. He said that his people, when filled with his spirit, would do these and do them greater. So let me tell you about somebody, a disciple, who actually did believe it. It was a guy whose name was Paul. And if you know anything about this guy named Paul, there's been a lot of Pauls. I'm talking about the one whose name used to be Saul and used to kill Christians 2,000 years ago. You see, that was the very thing. He used to kill Christians. He used to make sure that anybody who said Jesus is Lord died. And he wasn't alone. He had raised up people with him. He was a part of an army, so to speak, an unofficial army that was trying to carry this out. So when something happened to him and he was switching sides, it wasn't because it was a story that suddenly became believable. It was the worst story in the world. Seriously? No, it was because power encountered him. He was just walking down the street to go kill some Christians. And he was knocked down by the power of God. And he heard a voice from heaven. And then this will mess with you as well. The story wasn't done there. We all think, oh, well, he had an encounter with God and then everything happened. No, he actually just went and sat. He didn't eat and he couldn't see. He was blind. He didn't know what came next. And it wasn't because of that event that he knew what came next. It was because God sent a person, a person filled with his spirit to prophesy to him and to tell him what had happened. But back to my point, that was just for free. That was a good one. Back to my point, here's a disciple who did everything he could to exterminate followers and disciples. And he said, now that I am one, the only way I could become one, the only way I could go from being a murderer of them to being numbered with them is because I saw the power of God. And he said, if I'm going to live my life, I'm not going to go around telling pointless stories that don't even make sense. I wouldn't even believe it myself if it weren't for the power of God. I am going to use that power. I'm going to see that power every day of my life. Here's what he said. My speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom. Now, if you were educated in South Carolina like me, you need a dictionary. I had to look that up. That means possible. That means for those of you that thought I was being heretical so far by saying it's a story no one can believe, even Paul, even the Bible says, it's not a possible story that you could believe. The story doesn't make any sense. If it doesn't get accompanied by the power of God, you can say it all day long. Even Paul says, I didn't come telling a possible, believable story, but I came with a demonstration of the Spirit and of power. What that means is you stand up to somebody and say, yes, there was a virgin. Yes, she did have a baby. Yes, he was God. Yes, he was crucified. He lives again. And because of that, his Spirit is in us and we can do miracles. And they go, ha, 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 yeah, right. All right, you, come here. Out of the wheelchair, they stand up. Okay, never mind. We're not laughing anymore. 
That's what he said. He goes on to say it in other places to other groups of people. For we know brothers loved by God. He chose you. How do we know he chose you? Because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit. In other words, when we preached to you, I didn't just say something and you said a little prayer and we put it on a blue card and we all went home and called it a great day. No, 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 we didn't do that. Somebody's life was radically changed. Somebody was healed in the place. Something happened. He goes on to say this. I'm not going to say anything to you. He said it like this. I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me by word and deed, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, which is why he could also say in another place, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is what? The power of God. It's not a story. It's the power of God. What if I dared you to do what Paul just said? Don't speak of anything except what you have seen God do through your life and power. Some of you wouldn't have anything to say, would you? Because we don't look for it. We're not hungry for it. We don't ask for it. We just tell people about, man, you should come to my church. They got some cool hip music. Pastor's a cool dude. He's the coolest dude I've ever met. I got the mic. I can say it. And it's just, it's just neat. People are friendly. We have these awesome events. You should come to my church. Oh, oh power? <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, sometimes maybe, you know. I mean, yeah, you know. Sure it is, yeah. But hey, it's, it's a really cool thing, you know. I mean, they got lights. And... Too many of us believe God no longer moves in power. And you don't have to raise your hand for that one. And those of us who actually do believe, we believe he does it. Sparingly, somewhere else. And then we really tried this one. If you were here last week when I talked about spiritual gifts and I told you that the Holy Spirit was a Southerner. And if you weren't here last week, that's all you need to hear. I'm going to make you go listen to it to figure that one out. What people tend to do is, oh, well, you know, gifts of miracle. miracles. That is a gift. I just don't have it. It's not going to be me. Oh, healing. Yep. I just don't have that gift. And we just decide that God doesn't use us, that he only gives those gifts to a couple other people and God no longer moves. Look, if God can talk to a donkey, he can use you. Now that this series is coming to a close, here is the hope. I pray that we would be a church that is actually reaching our world. Do you know our vision statement? Do you know our values to know God, to love people, and to reach our world? And we changed that sentence, by the way. Ryan Meredith, who was, was our global outreach pastor that is now preparing to go halfway around the world and live in Jordan, he and I used to, to kind of go back and forth on this because it used to say reach the world. And he told me then, he's like, eh, reach the world is too impersonal. It should be our world. Reach our world. Because our world is across the street until you get on a plane. At least you've always got your world. You've got your world. You've got your people. You've got your place of work. You've got your neighborhood. You've got your world. I told him he was wrong. The Holy Spirit told me, later told me he was right. And we had to change all the literature, had to change the decorations on the wall. We had to do everything reaching our world. I want us to be a church that reaches our world with the presence and the power of God. I want us to stop telling people you should come check out my church because it's got cool lights and you can dress any way you want to. I want us to stop telling people that, that you know, there's this Jesus, everybody believes in, so you should too. Now I want us to start doing this. Hey, if God could only do, if you need just one thing, 
that you need God to do in your life, what would it be? Are, are you sick in any way? Are your finances broken anyway? Can you j- just tell me something you, you, would, you wouldn't believe could happen? All right, I tell you what. Let me pray for you right now. We'll pray that thing to happen. Amen. That is the kind of church I want us to be. All sounds good and inspiring, doesn't it? So the real question that you should be asking at this point is how? How do we get there? I'm going to tell you a little story of what I do at the gym. I was a music major, so the gym is not a place where I am most comfortable. And I'm 5'5". Five five. And I met, I met one of you guys the other day, by the way. I don't know if he's in this service or the other one, but he, this guy's a, a grace life person. He's known me for years. We met in the gym. Hey, dude, I didn't know you worked out. <laughs> we know you don't have the gift of encouragement. <laughs> What's that all about? So there's this guy at the gym. His name is Keith. And Keith looks like he works out, you know? He looks good. And, and so I was asking Keith the other day, like, hey, if I come in on my day off, will you just give me some pointers? He said, sure. So here's what I do. Once a week, I go into the gym to learn and to experience. And then every other day of the week, I go into the gym to make it part of my life. Did y'all catch that analogy or do I need to spell that out? Once a week, you go somewhere to be with people who are a step ahead of you so that you can learn and so that you can experience the power of God. And then every other day, you go and make it a part of your life. And here's how we're going to do that. Practically, it looks like this. Number one, we need to worship together with an expectation of his presence and his power. It is a standing rule here at Grace Life. This is like the thing. If you want to talk about what is in Jimmy's DNA, it is in my DNA that if we do not have the presence of God in this place, the Holy Spirit, we got nothing. My words, my notes, the songs we sing, it is totally useless. The lights probably won't work. Who knows? I mean, that stuff happens all the time. We've got nothing if we don't have the presence of God. And so for every meeting that we have, staff meeting before the services, the worship team and and some of the leaders, we're all in here praying, and they know we have to pray for the presence of God to be in this place. We have to pray that the presence of God is the one and only Spirit who operates in this place today. And I have told them, if I'm ever not here, somebody on this staff will pray that. And if nobody on this staff will pray that, I will fire one of you so I can hire somebody who will pray that because we're going to make sure that is the cornerstone of everything we do. And that's not a joke. The staff knows it. The staff knows we've got nothing if we don't have the presence of God in this place. You see, we come in here to learn and experience. And we should wake up wondering. Every Sunday, you should wake up. Matter of fact, no, 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 no. Let me change that. Every Saturday, you should find it hard to go to sleep like a kid on Christmas Eve because we should be asking two questions. What will God do here today? And what will God do in me today? We don't ask that. We come in and we smile and we sing and we laugh and we talk about stuff that's 2,000 years old. But we do not lay awake at night on Saturday going, man, Wonder if somebody will come to Grace Life for the first time in a wheelchair and in the middle of worship, they'll stand up. How cool would that be? I mean, I've heard the stories. I've heard the stories of people who have worshiped with dead people. 
They brought dead people. This is another country, obviously, in America. We tend to not bring dead people to church. But they, they brought someone from their family who was dead. It was in a non-Christian nation, and they were not Christians, but they heard Christians were in town doing this thing in the stadium. They brought a dead member of their family, and the guy who even believed in healing didn't think he had this one. He's like, uh, just put him over there. They literally put the dead body under the stage. This guy's name, in case you think I'm making this story up, his name is Ray Jennings. He just recently went to be with Jesus at 80-something years old. He was the, stood in as my grandparents at my wedding, so I know this is legit. And so as he is preaching in this nation that blackballed him, because after this happened, you turn a lot of people to Jesus, by the way, as they're just worshiping before he even gets to do anything else, this dead person rises up and comes out from under the stage. What if we expected that to happen what if we thought you know what doctor you said i got cancer that's all right i got church every week seven days before this thing's over i'm gonna win what if we're so afraid to take the risk and to put ourselves out there we don't want to be frustrated any well it just might be god's will that i die of cancer you know what you might be right but why do you have to resign yourself to it until you find out why? Why not believe that God still wants to move in power more often than we think? I want us to wake up wondering every day. I really, I'm begging us as a church. Don't walk in this place anymore without starting to ask questions. What is God going to do here today? What is God going to do in me today? The key here is that this is about our DNA as a family. Who are we? What do we believe? What makes us different? Why should somebody be here and then not some other room down the street where they're singing the same songs? And I have no offense against anyone else or think we're any better. But what if we became more expectant? What if when we came into this place, we were determined to see a powerful God move? I'll tell you this truth. I doubt there's a church on earth that expects enough of his power and his presence. I don't think there's any. I don't think there's any church out there. Number two, intentionally make it part of life. Like we talked about, seek spiritual gifts. Be risky. Invite God to move when natural answers don't work. Here's one for you. Be willing to represent his power. Amen. When was the last time you were willing to be embarrassed? You see, here's the thing. I think if you're not willing to be embarrassed for his name, you don't deserve to see him move. Seriously. You know that's the main reason you don't pray for people? When you're at work and they're sick and you think, man, wouldn't it be cool if God could touch them and do something amazing? But he may not. And I'll look like the fool. So we don't. Our number one reason is because we're just afraid he won't show up. We wonder why he doesn't show up. We don't think he will. You're more worried about what they think of you than what they think of him. If you could get over that, if I could get over that, if we could start saying, you know what, I, I don't care what they think of me. I'm going to pray for 10 people, and I guarantee at least eight of them are going to be miraculously touched this week. First two, God might mess with me just to see if I'm willing. I don't care what they think of me. What I care about is seeing the power of God. Instead, we live in a, I do care what they think of me, and we end up not seeing his power and we make a plan B. Well, I'm going to pray if God does this. But if God doesn't do this, here's what I'm going to do. If you've already decided what plan B is when God doesn't move, then he's, he's not moving. He's got no reason to. You've already told him you're not desperate for him. 
You've already told him you've got plan B. He doesn't need to be plan A in your life. And don't forget the whole reason for this power. Let's go back to what we said. It was for witness. You want to reveal a living God to this world? That's a reason for power. I mean, seriously, would you like to wake up every day knowing that you are going to reveal the living God to this world? He'll show you with his power. I want to close by impressing upon you, if I haven't already, the importance of this moment. We must do something with what we've learned and with what we've heard during this series. Let me tell you why. Because we can no longer claim ignorance. Too bad you showed up. And I believe as a people, as well as as individuals, we're at a crossroads. I believe God has done it all throughout history, and I believe he continues to do it with groups of people on planet Earth today. He does it individually. He's challenging every one of you right now. Do you want to be one of these people you read about? Or do you want to keep being the peddler of history? A story no one can believe. Or do you want to be an ambassador of my power who's backed by me? And you know what everybody's going to say right now? Oh, me, me, me. Right now is not when you answer the test. Tomorrow when you walk into your workplace and you're the only one there who was here today, that's when you actually show God the answer to that question. When you say, I believe my God can touch that problem you have. Let me pray for you right here, right now. Let's see God move in your life. You see, when we, when we will live like that, I believe God will respond. I believe God will back up the power of his name. His word actually promises that he will. But I believe if we're content to going back to the idea, yeah, not so much. He does things on occasion for those people. If that's the life you want, I believe it's the life he'll give you. And as far as you're concerned, that's your choice. But see, here's the problem I face. I lead a family. And I need, in order for this family to do something different on planet Earth, for as long as I get to be a part of it, I need more than 50% of you to actually start living what we talked about today. I need the majority of us to walk into this place every Sunday wondering what God will do. I need the majority of us to be willing to get on a plane and go to a place that they'll kill you for your story if you don't have power. And all I can do is ask. All I can do is ask. And wait till next week and see who shows up. I hope and pray that we would be a church who radically reaches our world simply by going back to what God was doing 2,000 years ago in the church that I think he still wants to do today. This is his promise, and I'll leave you with this. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be his witnesses. Amen? Some of you in this room are powerless. I want to talk to you, and that's my last thing today. All throughout this series, I've repeatedly said it. When I talked about his voice, I said the only ones who can hear his voice are the ones who have a spirit living inside. 
Last week I talked about gifts and how he does supernatural things through his believers. The only people who have those gifts are the people who have said, Jesus is my king. Because when you say that, his spirit comes and lives inside of you. All of this power I'm talking about, there's actually a story in the Bible of people who tried this. In the name of that Jesus Paul preaches, I pray for a miracle. And it didn't go well for them. No, no, no. If you want to go to work tomorrow and pray for this, it needs to be in the name of the Jesus that I believe, that I know, who resides in me. And it's not about going to church. No matter how many times you've heard it, it's about once in your life saying, Jesus, you died for me. I want to live for you. One time. If you've never done it, I want to help you do it right now. Would you all pray with me? Say something like this to yourself and to God. Say, Lord Jesus, I thank you that you died for me so that I could have your spirit dwelling within. And because of that, I could hear your voice. My life would change. You would fill me with gifts. And I would be a testimony of your power. I thank you today for your love, for your mercy, and for your forgiveness. For paying a price I could never pay for my own sins. And my one prayer in this place today is that you will give me a life of great meaning and great purpose in your kingdom. Amen. Amen. Let's celebrate with them. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Grace Life Podcast. For more information about us, you can go to gracelife.me. That's gracelife.me. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash gracelifeme and on Twitter at gracelifechurch. Life Church.